0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Your host, Gregorio Leoni, will have a small discussion with expert thought leader and friends on customer experience, transformation, innovation, and leadership. I hope you will enjoy the next episode. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight is really a big, big pleasure. I have Maxi Schmidt from Forrester together with me. Hi, Maxi. How are you? I am well. How are you? Very well. It's really a pleasure. I am really happy to have you on my podcast. I asked you several months ago to join, but we never find an appointment and now we have it and you are live together with me. And therefore, I am really, really happy that we can start this conversation. It's all about value that we deliver to the customer, not we deliver to the business, but to the customer. But before we deep dive in this topic, Maxi, could you please introduce yourself? Of
1: course. And um, part of the introduction is that um, I have to correct you on that value delivery thing a little bit later. But um, as you could hear from that part of the introduction, I am German. (laughs) I am um, um, a VP Principal Analyst at Forrester. And if you don't know Forrester, it's a research and advisory firm. So basically, my job is uh, to Think about, think about topics, to talk to practitioners about topics and then produce um, content, thought leadership, uh, speeches around topics. And that's all around the topic of customer experience and specifically customer experience measurement and the idea of value for customer. So those are the kinds of things that I really care about, customer experience and value for customer. I've been at Forrester for 10 years. And before that, I was in pricing consulting at Simon mean, Kutcher and Partners. And before that, I was in academia in Germany.
0: Thank you very much, Maxi. And therefore, I am here because I want to learn from you and the audience want to learn to, from you what this value for customer is. Therefore, extremely happy. But as you described your job, it it looks like as the perfect job. You are thinking about ideas in the customer experience world. You validate them and then you share them with a the broader audience. It's It's really interesting, correct?
1: Yes, I think you described my job better than I did. So thank you very much. <laughs> It is a, it's, a, it's a really interesting job because I get to talk to a lot of people about their customer experience programs, their challenges. So I get a good sense of what people are doing, what they're not doing. And then part of the fun of the job as an analyst at Forrester is to say, here are the gaps. And this is what we should be thinking. So, for example, in 2005, I wrote a report about the uh, going beyond surveys and customer experience. Back then, that was a new thing. People didn't think about it. Um, but I was like, hmm, where is this going? All these surveys, I don't think that's possible. You can, you can possibly do this and be still successful by have, having so many surveys. So I said, you know what, I should really look into that more. And the same thing with the value for customer topic, and we can talk about it in more detail, but that also came about by talking to a lot of practitioners, thinking about the research that I know from my background and um, considering what has to be next in customer experience to be more successful.
0: Thank you, Maxi. It means I will not share with you my survey after this interview, <laughs> but you I will. still
1: because you can catch it. I'll give you a feedback on it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, j- joke, joke, uh, joke by side. Uh, perhaps uh, before we start deep diving in everything what what you are doing and um, which are the values that drives you in life.
1: The values that drive me in life. I I am very much for uh, justice and. Um, and I really like when people do as they say. <laughs> I, I, and also, I, I think that everybody should always do their best. So maybe that last one is um, a value that sometimes uh, leads us astray because it leads to perfectionism. But I do believe that we should all do our best in whatever we do in our per, uh, professional and personal lives, right? And as I said also earlier, I believe in fairness and justice. So I believe in, in the fact that people should have the same access to to uh, resources um, that that oh, everybody should have similar access
0: to resources. Thank you, Maxi. And I think as a SAIX professional, we all share the same values that that you have, what you mentioned. I think it's the keys for success in, in every business, but also as a, as a human being, you you mentioned something in earlier in the beginning of our discussion. It's about uh, you you are analyzing different topics. And before we deep dive, speaking about value for customer, um, what are the main topics that are discussed nowadays in the in the CX landscape?
1: That's a really broad question, right? Because uh, the interesting thing is that customer experience isn't like this um, this one dimensional thing. Right, there are customer experience people who work in many different departments. Some customer experience people who work in a customer experience department. Others work in marketing. Others work in in tech. Uh, others work in customer service. So the topics that 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 are being discussed, of course, differ by that. And I'll also admit that, of course, I am much more exposed to topics that. I cover because those topics that customers of Forrester and CX professionals are talking to me about. But that said is that there is, I think, a, a, a two, two kinds of streams of topics that we hear more about. So the one is all about that value topic. And, and now I mean the value of customer experience, the value that customer experiences bring to the business. There's so much talk about it. I've been even getting a bit of disenchanted with it because it's, it's this ongoing struggle to prove that customer experience should be taken seriously, which then leads to this really odd place where customer experience people are trying to be so numbers-driven and so into measuring everything and justifying it that they kind of forget about what's important about customer experience to the humans, right? So we are focusing so much on measurement and business case that we're forgetting that our job as customer experience people is it to make sure that the human has a place in the company, that our organizations understand that they serve a human being, right? That has emotions, that has goals. So that to me is really kind of an interesting thing about what's being talked about and what does this lead to? It leads to this kind of like the CX accountants, right? That 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 to me is an observation that I've made over the last two three years. As we're trying to become more of a business discipline, we're losing some of that, um, some of what makes CX CX.
0: I think I really like this idea of CX accountants because. What I don't understand, or we all don't un- don't understand, is why there are no HR accountants, why there are not HR uh, marketing accountants that they need to prove. Why do we really need to prove everything? And I think this is a big, big question. I will not ask that question to you because you will say it's a really a broad question, and we will invest the next ten hours, and and let's really deep dive in in one of of the big the hot topics that you are covering since years, and this is. The, the, the idea of value you told me at the beginning that i mentioned something not correctly and therefore i will <laughs> end over directly to you not to make any additional mistakes you said something about perfectionist and therefore i will end over that to you
1: right so by the way i forgot to say one of my values is kindness and uh, apparently i did not live up to that just now <laughs> um so um, um the The topic of value is a really, really important topic in everybody who does customer experience and in companies too. But most times when we talk about value, we're very self as organizations. We think about the value that customers bring to the business in the form of revenue or lifetime value or advocating for us. There is I don't want to mention the name now, but there is a very big um, financial services company who has in their goals that. Customers should recommend us. That's their goal. Not to help customers lead better lives or make customers happier, but customers should recommend us. So that that kind of value conversation happens a lot. And what gets lost is that customers will not be valuable to a business if the business isn't valuable to customers. And that's a topic of value for customers. And here is where the delivering part comes in. The Delivering value for customers is a bit of a <laughs> a misnomer. And it is a misnomer because you cannot deliver value to a customer. Value is a perception of that customer as they use a product or service. The product or service might give them value, or they might get value from it, or they might not, depending on who they are. Like in a, in a, in a recent uh, blog, I had that very, very, very simplistic example of Spotify. If you are a vinyl lover, a Spotify app does not give you or deliver value to you. If you like to curate playlists on the road on your mobile phone, then Spotify does. You get what you get value from Spotify, but there is no value inherent in a product that can somehow be delivered to the customer, right? That's 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 why I'm I'm, I'm trying to get us all to think a bit differently about the idea of value and delivering it because the language matters, right? The way that we talk about things matters. It shows what our priorities are. It shows how we're thinking. And um, sometimes when I talk about you can't deliver value because value is a perception, people say, oh, Maxi, that's just semantics. But semantics is about meaning. (laughs) And I'm sure that you really want everybody to understand what you mean. And you want... That, that people understand things the same way that you do. That's why these words matter. And that's why we can talk about the helping our customers create value,
0: but um, not really about delivering value, since value is a perception, right? You see, we I can we can learn every time something. And first of all, I think the super easy example that you mentioned about Spotify, it it really totally makes sense because now we can understand the different values that a service or a product deliver, and this, this this is something we are going to discuss. But also, in which context I am, because in one context it brings value to me, in another context perhaps not. And also, being uh, the same person, but in a different context, it brings value or it doesn't bring value. But before we deep dive in, in the perception, um, which type or expressions of value do you do do you use at Fo- at Forrester?
1: By the way, you're you're spot on. Context matters a lot, right, in, in value perceptions. So when you talk about that value for customer, I think what you have to keep in mind is that the customer is a human being. I know I said this before, but we do seem to forget it. So the customer as a human being has like multifaceted needs. And that's why the value that a customer gets from doing business with a company also is multifaceted. At Forrester, we talk about four dimensions of value. The first dimension is economic value. So that's all about the m- money that you can gain or that you don't have to spend. So think about like predictable prices and costs or think about having the feeling that you're saving money or getting something for free, right? So that's economic value. The second dimension is functional value. That's all about the usefulness, the usefulness of products and services, the usefulness of the buying process and the usefulness of the help that you're getting uh, as, you're, as you're trying to use these products or buy them. And by the way, products or services, I should say. The third dimension is the experiential value. It has all about the interactions you have with people, like the courtesy of people. Do you feel understood? It's also about the kind of uh, this design and sensory allure of uh, websites or products that you're interacting with. And then the fourth dimension is that symbolic value. And that's all about the meaning that a customer gets from doing business with a company. And that could be about oneself. So self-affirmation. For example, the financial services company has, um, has, has helped me understand better how to, how to manage my finances. I feel more competent, so that could be part of that meaning, that symbolic value, but it could also be status, prestige. It can be a sense of belonging, and it can be a sense of I'm allowed to support, or I'm able to support others. So there's these four dimensions: economic value, functional value, experiential value and symbolic
0: value. And do do I understand well? Also, as we were speaking about context, throughout a, a journey, the the customer will uh, have different have different context, and therefore they will feel different value from from the service of, of the product. It it means it, cha- it can change throughout throughout the journey. Is that correct? How do you see? How do you see the the link between these values dimension and journeys?
1: So there are two links. The first thing is that when you're thinking about a journey, and that's all assume we mean a true customer journey that has a customer goal at the heart of it, right? Um, If you were to plot that journey, you could look at what kind of... like Think about it as a curve, right? Uh, On the top part of the curve, you have value being created for the customer, and the bottom part is when value is being destroyed, right? And you can see how at that journey, you might have a value creation, then value destruction, and so on, and different types of value. So for example, think about home lending, right? You're trying to buy a home and you need to get a mortgage. In the beginning, you might look for options and find some mortgage provider, and you're really excited and you feel very good that you're able to find a house that you want to buy, right? Then you have to submit all kinds of documentation. And that is really effortful, destroying functional value, right? Then you get a pre-approval and um, that's great. You have found a good rate, economic value. But then you get declined despite the pre-approval, right? So again, (laughs) lack of functional value. So along the whole journey, you can see what the customer is doing and how that in turn creates or destroys value. But in the end, what's important is that your value highs are in some greater than the value valleys, if you so will.
0: Uh, And if I understand well, you you developed also a small process how to understand that it's a three-step process that you you shared already once about uh, how to create that. Could you please elaborate a bit on that?
1: So that's about how to measure the value that you're creating, right? And um, it's very interesting. I I set out to write a report, how to measure value for customers. And uh, when I did the first interviews, I realized the problem isn't measuring it. (laughs) The problem is understanding it, right? So a lot of companies have uh, still that perception that there's some inherent value in the kinds of products or services that they provide, as opposed to thinking about the value as a perception, right? And then you ask them, what value do you think your customers are getting from doing business with you? They often don't know because they haven't thought about it. So the first step is to do qualitative research into what is the value that we're providing to our customers or that our customers are getting from us. See, I have to correct myself, too. Now, it's really one, one great example there uh, of uh, John Deere Financial. Um, John Deere is a financial, is a, a financial services arm of uh, John Deere who helps to finance um uh, uh, uh tools for uh, for farmers right <laughs> and but they they looked at segments of customers and they found that there's one segment like small farmers the same size of revenue the same kind of technology investment but when they probed into what mattered to these people some of them it was about you know making money through farming and others it was farming is a way of life and our family has done this forever and ever like so that kind of research understanding What is the role that our products and services play in a customer's lives? That's the kind of thing you need to do in order to be able to measure value for customers. And then from there, it's relatively easy to define metrics for that, right? Because uh, if you know what are these value drivers for customers across all four dimensions, not just focusing on functional value, then you can define metrics for those, and then you can use those metrics to make uh, decisions about how to optimize value. So that's the that's the short <laughs> short version of of that report and how I got to uh, write it a little bit differently than I had um, estimated before.
0: Uh, it totally makes sense, and thank you very much for for your management summary. And now we understand and we know that you are human because you did also this small mistake that you corrected. And that's <laughs>
1: but that's what i mean right it's a, it, the language is so important and um i have to also catch myself but i do <laughs>
0: <laughs> and now i'm a bit feeling about your reaction about next question because <laughs> the verb i'm going to use <laughs> will not make you happy but is there a way to to really change the mindset and then really maximizing the value for customer is it possible how can we do that
1: um, yes, uh, I think there is. Um, unfortunately, it starts by being selective. So we talked about earlier that um, there are these these, these these value dimensions. And why do I talk about being selective, right? One of the questions I often get is, this, which of these value dimensions is most important? And I don't think that that's the most important question to ask. I think the more important question to ask is, which drivers in that value dimension are most important for your customers. Think about something like a grocery store. We all know this, right? Think about like um, Aldi, a German (laughs) company, and some really fancy high-end organic supermarket around the corner, right? They can both create symbolic value. Aldi might create a symbolic value of competence, and of feeling savvy that you found a deal. You found these actually branded products, but cheaper. And you're quite smart, right? The organic supermarket might create the value of, ooh, I'm supporting the environment. I feel really good about myself. But both create meaning. And most companies focus on the economic and functional value. My uh, recommendation is to think about what are the experiential and symbolic value dimensions that can help you differentiate from competition. And that's that's what maximizing value is about. It's about understanding value more fully in all of these dimensions, instead of just focusing on easy, 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 which is part of functional value. Now, <laughs> that doesn't mean we shouldn't be trying to make things easier for customers. But as everybody does that, where is differentiation going to be? And that that that's when we're talking about maximizing value for customer. Um, by the way, I am not sure yet whether maximizing value for customer is the right way of talking about it, or whether it's balancing the value that a customer is getting from doing business with us with the value that we're getting from doing business with that customer. It's kind of like a win-win situation that you're trying to get to, right? A customer, <laughs> there's, there's this really interesting um, um, quote from, from relationship theory is if everybody in the relationship is secretly pleased that they got the better end of the stick, the better deal, that's a great relationship, right? So the customer should be secretly pleased that, ah, oh, it's so amazing to do business with a company. I love it. I'm getting so much out of it. And the business could be thinking the same, right? Then that's a that's, thing where that sweet
0: spot um, is. But I think this is the difference be- between being in family and doing something with the family and being in business. At the end, in business, you want always to create value for both sides, giving and receiver. And perhaps where you are at home, you're a mom, I am a founder. I don't care if I get value. If my son gets value or the most value when we are playing together, he should win because he is, he's super happy, and then at the end I am also happy. and And therefore, I think the, this way of of thinking about uh, value in the business totally makes sense because at the end you are optimizing and and creating the best possible balance between what you get and what what we get. Because if we if one of the two parties lose. Then, then it's 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 a big issue.
1: Perhaps it's th- interesting that you say that though, because um I would reinterpret what you said, and I would say you are getting value from your son's big smile and happiness as you're eating ice cream with him. So you're getting that symbolic value of wow, I did something for my son. I'm really happy that I did that. I'm a good father, I'm I've a good family dynamic. So you're getting something out of it. And I think the the the, the point that we sometimes forget is that customers feel these things too, right? They feel proud to be part of a company. For example, I feel proud that I own stuff from Patagonia because Patagonia, uh, they make uh, uh, apparel, right? Patagonia really goes all out and protects the environment and it makes me proud to wear their stuff, right? So I'm getting something in addition to just the garment that I'm buying from them. So um, I, I think it's actually interesting that you mentioned the family, but I, I, I do think that
0: there's, this, there's more parallels than differences. No, thinking thinking about it, I, I, I need to say yes, you're right because at the end I want that he wins because then I am super happy that he is happy and he's smiling, and and <laughs> therefore and therefore thinking about and correcting myself as you did earlier, it's 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 it totally makes sense. I was thinking more from a, an economic uh, value because you have a business only if you are. Selling your products your services uh, to to a customer, and therefore I was thinking more about the different types of value and thinking about symbolic value it's 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 for sure, uh, we are all happy and then <laughs> and then and then it works uh, perhaps uh, you mentioned Patagonia, but perhaps do you have any other companies that are uh, is focusing really on these four different dimensions of, of value that that you can share?
1: So I think lots of companies are focusing on some of them just because by the way that their brand is. And that's the thing, one, one, one important thing that we shouldn't forget when you're thinking about where do you want to play, what value drivers do you want to help deliver on, right? You need to think about what's my brand, what does my brand stand for? So for example, um, Aldi, that I said earlier, isn't going to be able to deliver on, I have these amazing interactions with people. Potentially, right? Because that's just not what the brand is strong at. So you have to think about what's your brand strong at, what do your customers want, and where is their competitive white space? So there are a few companies who are doing this really well. So you can think about some examples in B2B and B2C, right? So we already talked about Patagonia, which is B2C. So maybe let me talk about a B2B example. We had talked, uh, this is a, um, a truck leasing company, and they were realizing that a lot of the 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 competitors were also doing things quickly and not too pricey, but they also realized that the interactions that these truck drivers have with the people in the uh, in the um wait, what's it called in the workshop body shop that really drove value right. So it wasn't just about uh, is it is it cheap and is it quick enough, but am I going to have a good interaction with the person who manages the um, Manages the body shop, or who helps me service a truck that I'm having. So that's one example of expanding into one of these value dimensions that is often not as um, kind of as as as, uh, as present. Let's put it that way.
0: And I think, based on the fact that it's also a perception, I think it's also related to the different generations and which are the values of the different generations that that we have thinking about younger people and focusing more on on different types of of values. That have uh, generation, Z or um, Silver Surfer, and and therefore I think it's it's also important to um, to really understand the, the context about yeah. about the value that that you create. I so we had have... a
1: really good speaking of that, but we had a really good example. I just did some qualitative research with uh, with consumers, and one quote in that qualitative research really hit home. I'm going to anonymize it, but I don't think it will help you. It will help much. So there was this this person who said that the reason why they bought a computer at a more expensive firm, um, thinking about bananas and apples, right, uh, was the training that that firm offered. So in this case, it doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It's, it was Apple, right? Um, and they, they offered training to make this person more competent. And that was the reason that he spent more money on the computer because he, Silver Surfer, wanted to feel competent with the computer and really appreciated how Apple helped them do that. And that, to me, is such a great way of a great example of a company who's tapped into the needs of their customers and thinking about what, how can we deliver on multiple of these value drivers? <laughs> how can we help customers realize several uh, value along several drivers? Instead of just focusing on one of them, like being the cheapest, for example,
0: and and what you are saying, that was a big discussion that we had because we were also discussing about uh, what why they are, why Apple is offering uh, trainings for using the computer. It's everything. It's clear, and if not, you can watch a YouTube video. But they are fully booked. And and it's it's really I went to the shop. I asked because I was interested to understand the process, not too interested into the training. And and they said they are fully booked. And it's not only Silver Surfer, but there are different uh, generation that are going there. And this is additional value delivered. That that totally that totally mm-hmm. makes sense. I, I would have two thousand additional questions, but uh, being. Um, taking care of your time, uh, the last, que- the last uh, question related to the content, and then we can, we can come to the, to the end of this game. Um, if we think about in 10 years' time from now, what are we discussing about in customer experience field? So do you want to hear the, uh, <laughs> the optimistic or the pessimistic version of this? Uh, Maxi Schmidt uh, view.
1: Okay. So if I if I um, uh, extrapolate from the past into the future, we shall be still discussing the very same things in <laughs> 10 years from now, <laughs> um, because the topics I've been discussing right now, like value for customer, journey measurement, it, those are really two big topics that I talk about every day. They're not super new, right? Uh, the other day, somebody said to me, nah, isn't this all just the old stuff, but you use new words for it? And I said, is that so? Um, if that is so, why do we not talk about it? Why are we still not doing it? So I, I, I do believe that uh, customer experience has a fundamental challenge in getting stuff done and has a fundamental challenge uh, specifically because of the leadership. And so I think unless customer experience people will be more successful in actually getting leaders to understand that they're not being sincere about their commitments, even if they say they're committed, they'll still be talking about the exact same things. Well, small things will change, right? But they'll still be talking about, oh, why aren't we getting enough traction with what we're doing as a as a as a profession. So I am hopeful, but I'm also, as I said, um, looking a little bit about the the, the little bit at the past. I, I'm trying to change it, and everybody in the in the in the industry is trying to change it. Uh, and I guess I guess together, let me, say, let me say something optimistic. Together we can do it. <laughs> Let's start by changing the way we talk about customers and customer value. Let's change the way we talk about journeys and remind people of what journeys are really supposed to be. So if we all make sure that we keep ourselves honest and then we keep our companies honest,
0: I think we can make some progress. Thank you, Maxi. And now we are really coming to the last part of this discussion. And uh, there are three uh, questions that I am always asking. The first one, um, is there a book that you say it helped you during your career or for uh, your private life?
1: Yes. (laughs) So now I'm falling prey to the recency bias, but I want to recommend a book. To, the, to, to, to to all of you who are listening uh, that I just thought was amazing. Uh, it's called uh, Making Numbers Count by Chip Heath. He's the guy who wrote Switch and he also wrote The Power of Moments, a book where he used Forrester data, actually. So um, that book, Making Numbers Count, amazing. It is all about how can we make the numbers such that humans can relate to them. And it's it's, it's really eye opening. I've, I've used these principles as I prepared for my keynote speech for our London London Customer Customer Experience Forum in the end of June. It's, it's it's amazing, and especially in customer experience, a profession where we try to keep the humans in the picture, we need to make sure that by 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 turning everything into numbers, we don't lead the humans out of the picture. I think about, for example, one of the most important metrics, customer experience NPS. Right? If I tell you the NPS is forty two. That's as sanitized as it gets. It doesn't get any more sanitized actually that's a number that's meaningless it doesn't there's there's no content to it. but how about I tell you the the the, the number of people who are detractors could fill a football stadium now suddenly somebody has a, a context to it right so that kind of um, that kind of thinking and there's a lot of ideas in this book of how to how to do that better and how to use the power of one how to use the power of baskets I can really highly recommend it.
0: Thank you very much. But I think in the football stadium where the promoters are not the detractors. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If somebody would like to to contact you, what's the best way?
1: The best way is to write me an email at uh, mschmidt, with with a D and a T, mschmidt, at forester.com, forester with a double R, or just look me up on LinkedIn. I think there's only one Maxi Schmidt.
0: I will share all the contact details also in the show notes. Therefore, uh, we will ensure that we type your name in the correct way. <laughs> Thank you very much. And the last question, it's uh, Maxi, golden nugget. It's something that we discussed or something new that you would leave to the audience?
1: Um, uh, I've been lately really struck by something that I said earlier Um the The belief of leaders that they are customer-centric, that they're supporting an organization in being customer-centric, and CX people actually believing it. We have some recent data where CX people say that they feel their leaders are believing and acting accordingly. True commitment. Looking at some of the customer experience, people I talk to, I don't think it's true. I think leaders don't know enough about what it means to be customer-centric. They don't know what they need to do, and they don't know the personal shadow they cast. So I think one of the first things of, uh, on, the, on the priority docket for customer experience leaders needs to be to find ways to, without losing your job, making the leaders aware of the shadow they cast. And um, I think that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a phrase from Shandirini culture training, but every decision leader makes. Cast a shadow and promoting somebody somebody for example for the good revenue numbers that has customer complaints standing against him or her is a decision right um, deprioritizing customers when something needs to be uh, launched quickly that's a decision and and all of these decisions cast a shadow so trying to find more ways of getting leaders make leaders aware of the fact that they are not acting in a customer centric way in many cases is i think one of the big things and that's kind of my my nugget, right, kind of keep people relearning about what customer experience is and why it's important and don't necessarily trust the stated commitment that you're hearing about.
0: Thank you very much, Maxi. This was the last goal that you scored on the Seek Goalkeeper podcast. <laughs> it was really outstanding. Thank you very much for your time.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Gregorio.
0: And I am super optimistic about the future because with leaders, CX leaders like you, I am quite sure that in future we will discuss the right thing and we will do also the right thing. Thank you very much, Maxi. It was a great pleasure and I hope that the audience enjoyed this discussion as much as I did. It was really a great one. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it, share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget. We are not in a B2B or B2C business. We are in a human-to-human environment. Thank you.